Welcome to New Life Lutheran's podcast, where new life in Christ is celebrated, and we explore together how to live the Christian life with excellence. Thanks for listening today. You can find our podcast at nllutheranpodcast.com. You can subscribe at Podbean, Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play Music. If you have any questions for Pastor Eric, or like to suggest a topic for our podcast, you can email Pastor Eric at eric.anderson at nllutheran.com. Today on our podcast, Pastor Ben, our youth director Tim, and myself discuss the row, what worship is, how we worship, and worship here at New Life Lutheran Church. Thanks for listening. Let's get growing. So today we're going to be talking about the row. So we introduced last podcast the strategy here at New Life, which is the row, the table, and the chair. And now we're just going to be marching through those different elements of our strategy. And we're going to start with the row, just because that's kind of the primary. Uh, that's the primary one of those three. It's the one that we spend the most time on, the most money on. It's the one that gets most of our attention. And so we're going to spend some time talking about the row. The main experience that happens in a row is our worship services. So Tim, Ben, today we're going to be talking about worship. And so I sent you guys those questions, um, asking the, the question, what is worship? What does it mean to worship? And also, why do we worship? So I want to just get started asking you guys, what is your working definition of worship? If I had to ask you, give me one sentence, two sentences about what worship is, what would you say? Yeah, so worship for me in the row setting um, so as we go into the row setting, as we enter into a time of worship, um, but as we think about uh, that phrase, time to worship, shouldn't our lives look like that? Shouldn't our, shouldn't our lives be worship? Um, and so as we look at um, worship just from the row standpoint, um, we often equate it to or at least just my background, I always used to equate it to just singing, to just, oh, we come in and worship is us singing a few songs. Um, but that's obviously not what what worship is intended for. Worship is intended to be a lifestyle and to live that lifestyle uh, in a community and, a, and in a body of believers. So it's... Um, your interactions with people while you're at church. It's um, you giving your tithes and offerings. That is also, in fact, a form of worship. It's uh, what you take away from the sermons. It's every element. It's uh, uh, how serious you take communion. You know, if you are going in and uh, really being reverent to the fact that you are taking in Christ's body and his blood. And, and so all that combined is what worship for me looks like for in the row setting. So when we think about worship, I think a lot of times people default to, to one of two streams. They either think of the Sunday morning experience or weekend experience, or they think of music. Like I'm going to, I'm going to sing a worship song to God, or I'm going to sing a hymn to God. Uh, the reality is in its, in its broadest sense, and it's probably more complete sense is worship is 
is our total engagement with God in every venue of our life. Um, however, uh, what we're talking about here is really the row. And so we need to kind of create our focus back to the Sunday experience, which the beauty of even that holistic nature of worship in that Sunday morning experience is that all of us should be using our lives to worship God and utilize our gifts for the cause of Christ. And that's our act of worship. However, uh, when we all come together and, and we're intensive about our Sunday morning experience, we're actually focusing our collective natures on a central point of worship. And I think that's that's why in the Old Testament there was a temple. And that's why there these locations for people to gather because you're actually coming together as a community and you're focusing, even though you have your individual worship experiences or, or ways of worship throughout the week by honoring God, you're coming together, you're putting your complete attention on the word, uh, possibly a, a singing or some sort of a collective reading. And then you're just taking all that energy, putting it together and putting it on God. And that's a powerful experience because there's just something powerful about a crowd. If you've been in a, in a concert or you've been in a, a large group venue, maybe a men's conference or women's conference or some sort of youth gathering, maybe the national national youth gathering when you were a kid, there's something powerful about that because we have that community. And so today we're going to take that idea of of the holistic nature of worship and put it into a focus of if we all come together, we all take those those elements and focus them, how can we make that a powerful experience and, and why is that a powerful experience? And so when I think of worship, I think of holistically, but today just focusing on if we all put our energies together for an hour or two or a weekend experience, why is that powerful and what does that, that look like? Yeah, I think that there's a distinction that we can make uh, if we can, if we're going to be really particular about our language, there's a distinction between what I would call the quote unquote liturgical life of the Christian and of the church and of worship experiences or worship services, or in our, in the Lutheran tradition, we call them divine services. So the whole life of worship that includes and incorporates the Sunday morning or the weekend big group gathering would be what I would call the liturgical life. We gather together on Sunday, then we are sent out from that worship service, from that divine service, and we uh, read scripture, we pray every day, we participate in some kind of small group, if it's our family or if it's life groups, we pray with one another, we care for one another. So that rhythm of, of gathering together and then scattering out into the world and being families and small groups and working in our jobs and that kind of rhythm of daily prayer and daily scripture reading, that all of that is worship. Um, but I would probably give the title or give the label of liturgical life. That's the pattern, the work that the people of God do as they worship God in their life. So um, one thing that I, that I like to say is, um, is worship is not songs but worship includes singing, right? So when we talk about worship, we're not talking about worship music. We're not talking about singing, although singing is part of what we do in the worship service. And it's an important part of what we do. We're commanded by scripture to sing songs, hymns, and spiritual songs to one another. Um, I think that it's also gets your body involved in, in worship and in praising God. Um, so praising God and lavishing on him praise through the words of music um, and through singing is good. And and you could even argue necessary f based on uh, biblical instruction. 
But I think that if we kind of back up, I the one of the definitions that I use for for worship services is that it's a conversation with God. So all of the elements in a worship service are all part of that conversation. Um, our worship starts off and we confess our sins. And really the first thing that's spoken to us um, in that worship setting is forgiveness. So we are accepted by God into his presence through his statement of forgiveness to our confession. Um, and then as we go throughout the service, there's always this back and forth. Um, the word, as we read the word and we hear the sermon, that is a word from God to his people. Um, as we uh, sing songs and we pray, those are responses to God after his word. Um, the Holy Communion is is from God to us and we receive that Holy Communion. Um, and then oftentimes there are other uh, elements after that, some other kind of responsive, and then we are sent out. So the last word of worship is being sent out into the world. Um, so I think in, in maybe its most basic uh, definition is worship is the gathered body of believers who are engaging in a community conversation with God. And then that necessarily includes our obedience to God. The metric of true worship is obedience. So how do you know if you've truly worshiped? You walk in obedience to God. Let's keep the conversation going. I want to start with you, Pastor Ben, and can we dissect worship experiences, traditional, contemporary, all the different ways that we worship here at New Life? Can we dissect those worship experiences in the context of this definition of worship that we've kind of worked together, this kind of whole life experience, this conversation with God, this um, experience that we have with God? Can we work on maybe historically some worship services or worship styles or some of those things? Can we start dissecting all these things through that lens? Well, as we think about divine service and, and how we, we run that, what elements are in that, uh, what's contemporary, what's not contemporary, what's traditional, what's not traditional, this was not really a conversation until the Protestant Reformation. And so when Luther kind of broke wide open the gates of this idea of freedom, so people had access to the Word for the first time, so they had freedom to digest God's Word, uh, in that midst they all also began to try to understand an infinite God with finite minds and then reorganize the divine service or their Sunday morning experience or their weekend experience around how they were understanding that infinite God with their finite minds. And so before that, you know, there was obviously the Jewish faith and they had a, a very specific way of worship that was their patterns that they did. Then when the early church came in, the Catholic church actually took on and adopted a lot of those similar practices and so they were had this kind of uniform form of worship. Well, then Luther comes, Protestant Reformation comes, and people began to divide from the Catholic Church because of the issues going on there. And so they, they kind of split up into a, a couple groups. For Lutherans, where we split was we looked at the practices of the Catholic Church, and we said, if it's not counter to the Bible, we will keep it. Other churches said, if it is Catholic or connected to the Catholic Church, therefore it's inherently bad, and so we're going to remove it from our, our worship experience, our, our divine experience. This is why when you go in a Lutheran church, 
you should experience some of the common elements that you might have experienced at a Catholic church, because what we have done is we have retained the practices of the Catholic church that were either in line with scripture or did not have any conflict with scripture. So uh, growing up in an evangelical church and, and, and participating a lot of my life in those settings and understanding those settings, if you go into an evangelical church, you're going you're gonna to get two elements, potentially three. Well, t- probably four, I guess. And uh, you're going to hear the worship music, which is going to take about half the service. You will have an offering element, so a worship through giving. And then you will have a sermon. So they will normally have three elements. And then occasionally, whether quarterly, sometimes monthly, or sometimes once a year, you'll have the fourth element of what we'd call a sacrament, but communion. So they have really only four elements that they have retained. In the Lutheran Church, we have a lot more because when we pulled away from the Catholic Church, when we tried to reform the Catholic Church, we kept those healthy things that were still there, that that were based off of Scripture, were not countered to Scripture, and so we kept those as healthy practices of our church setting. So in our church setting, we still retain those. We have a time of confession and forgiveness, which is a correlation to that, where we we try to right away start off by reuniting our relationship with God, restoring that relationship with God to put us in a great space to go right into music. And obviously, as a church that has three different styles, we're not not too concerned with what type of music. We're just concerned that the words uh, lead us to worship and put our focus on God, sometimes to learn about theology and understanding God, and sometimes just to, to have this proclamation of praise for God. So we go into the worship element I'm also connected with that. We have, of course, the reading of the word, which should be in every church. And if it's not, you need to get out of there. We have the preaching of the word. We want to clearly articulate what the word says, and we want to apply it to people's lives so they can experience transformation in their life. And once again, if you are not hearing that, you need to get out of that church. We have a time of prayer, which of course should be in every church. Uh, We have a creed. Occasionally we'll do the Athanasius Creed. On a regular basis, we do the Nicene Creed and also the Apostles' Creed, and these are creeds connected to the early church, connected to the truth of Scripture, and these are just healthy practices of remembering, memorizing, and equipping our people and ourselves to be able to articulate our our faith in a clear way. It also allows us, when we run into a lie of the faith, that we can compare it and contrast it with these creeds of our belief system and say, that's not quite right. Uh, so the creed is something that you would not experience in an evangelical church, but it's an incredibly healthy practice that we have retained in the Lutheran church. Uh, then as you keep working through the service, obviously we have the sacrament as well, the Lord's Prayer, which of course is not counter to Scripture. It's obviously in Scripture, as Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, and so we have that every week. And we also have the benediction, which is connected directly back all the way to our Jewish roots, and this is a benediction that was given by the priests. And so we have retained that as well. And so we have, in my assessment, being in both streams at different points in my life, is the Lutheran Church intentionally retained the best practices of the history of the church. And now we implement them into modern settings, and we use different types of music to really lift up uh, the whole experience of the divine service, the whole experience of worship, to best put our focus on God and best allow God the space to communicate with us. And so as we have, uh, as I've sat down with Pastor Eric and Tim and some other great guys that we have around here, as we began to look at our contemporary service, we wanted to keep all the best practices and we want to create an environment, once again, a row where the doors are wide open 
for anyone to come in and hear God's truth. And we believe keeping all those traditional elements, best practices of the Catholic Church, now internalized into Lutheran Church and other churches around our world, that's going to give us our best opportunity for even a non-believer to come in and begin to understand our faith and begin to move forward in their spiritual journey towards what God has in store for them. And so that's why we've kept those practices, uh, and we just we best highlight and use those services to impact our world by changing the music and a little bit how we interact with those services. With that, one thing I want to say is all of our services are 100% Lutheran, 100% Lutheran across the board. We have just decided to use newer music or different music in some of our services exactly what had happened all throughout the history of Lutheranism when Luther began to write new music that we still sing today because they're classics, but we also don't believe that music ended with Luther and his contemporaries, but now we have new people also best helping us move into the presence of God and praise God, and so we use that music as well as a reflection of our Catholic universal faith and the ongoing work of Christ through his Holy Spirit in musicians even today. And so we're excited to use that new music to best help our people move forward in the faith. Pastor Ben, you had a lot in there, so I want to kind of like pluck a few things out and, and we can discuss them because there's there's a lot of good in there. And that was about that was about the best articulation of new life's practice of worship, as I think that I've ever heard, or probably much better than I could have said myself. I want to kind of address a couple things first in order just to frame the conversation, all three of us here, Pastor Ben, Tim, and myself, did not grow up in a Lutheran setting. We also did not grow up in a mainline traditional setting either. So all three of us come from evangelical backgrounds, um, a couple of us from Methodist backgrounds or that kind of flavor, and then uh, Pastor Ben just from general evangelical non-denom flavor, non-denominational flavor. So we're, we've all come from the evangelical experience to the Lutheran tradition. And uh, in our congregation, the, the widest swath of our congregation has come from a traditional background, the traditional Lutheran experience, and they're now kind of hearing these things, seeing these things, experiencing these things, sometimes for the first time in their life. And so we that's a blessing and a curse. Um, the blessing is that I think that we have the best of both worlds. I think that we can do it um, in a way that is historically rooted and is truly Christian, historically Christian, but also creative and innovative. And I think that we have that benefit. But one of the, the curses that come along with that is that for many of the traditional folks, we're too contemporary. And for some of the evangelical contemporary folks that come in, we're too traditional. Uh, because we are Lutheran, we are hold to the Book of Concord, to the Lutheran Confessions. Um, and Article 7 of the um, Apology says that there is freedom in worship, that we have... It says, it says right there, the princes and Martin Luther and the, the other pastors said, we understand that people are going to worship differently in different places, and so they don't uh, force one particular model on the congregations. They said it right there in Article 7. So in the confessions themselves, there's built into, into those confessions a recognition that as the church grows, as the church moves into new places, as uh, the times change, that the church is pliable enough and flexible enough to absorb and assimilate some of those things without actually losing the gospel. 
So we are able to um, change and mold and innovate and be creative, uh, even if, even if the gospel doesn't change, even if Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and and forever. Um, so that's kind of the one thing I wanted to highlight is that we all come from the evangelical background, and they're moving into the Lutheran uh, tradition. And in the Lutheran tradition, even though I'm guessing that most of our um, Congregation would not know this, um, and actually many many Lutheran pastors don't recognize this, but Article 7 does give us freedom to to try new things, to do music differently. Um, and so that's what we're doing. We're simply trying to uh, best communicate the gospel to our culture, to the Sock Valley in northwest Illinois. That's what we're trying to do. And so we have that freedom, both from Christ and built into the Lutheran confessions to do that. And so that's really what we're pursuing. So we kind of um, we kind of meet in between the American evangelical flavor and the Lutheran flavor because we were we're holding tight onto those historical Christian elements like confession, the reading of the word out loud, Holy Communion. Uh, we're holding tight to uh, the Lord's Prayer, and we're holding tight to the creeds and also to the benediction. Those are all classical Christian historical elements that. Christians have used for centuries and millennia in their worship. We're holding on to those things because they're good and they're beneficial, and it's that's proper worship. Um, but we're also willing to innovate everything else, to try new things, to experiment, to maybe even fail, and uh, to try again and to keep working and keep plowing and uh, keep spreading the gospel and preaching the gospel to as many people as we can. So that's really where we are here at New Life, I think. One thing that most people when they get caught up on issues, you know, if you look at our church and our services and, and all Lutheran churches, for the most part, is that uh, the only thing that ever shifts is our music, at least at New Life. Now, I, I do believe that in some Lutheran churches, they've gotten pulled into this idea that in order to find success in contemporary worship, they have to become exactly mm. like the megachurch down the street. And so I believe they've done damage by removing some of these great classical elements that really have benefit. Um, however, we haven't. But it still can create tension because sometimes people have made music sacred, and so a specific style then is is essentially God's style. If you really <laughs> just clarified what the implied implied thought is, that somehow a hymn is more godly than than something else. Now, that can't possibly be true because if that were the case, then we reached the pinnacle moment of music in the 1500s. Uh, that means that all Jewish worship before that wasn't as good, and every music after that wasn't as good, and of course that can't can't possibly be the logical conclusion. So the only thing we can say is the lyrics might have been better at one point in time, or or better now, or better then, and so we need to look at the truth of what we're trying to do, which is how do we best praise God, how do we best internalize God's truth, and so with that being said, all all music, all music should be acceptable if we're willing to logically think through it. Uh, you know, when you think about pop music, a lot of times we just think of the noise that a teenager listens to as their car is banging down the road and they're waking us up at one in the morning with their subwoofers. And so pop music being, you know, just a simplistic way of saying popular music, right? If we just back all the way up, there was a day when when the number one popular song in America, the, the pop song, was Mary Had a Little Lamb. I don't, I'm glad I don't live in that day, but there was a point in time when that was like the premier popular song. I mean, if there was Grammys on that day, it was like artist of the year, song of the year, Mary Had a Little Lamb. If you keep backing up further and further and further, at some point in time, these songs, these hymns were on the cutting edge of music. And there's rumors, and some Lutheran pastors, some 
Lutheran theologians would say, this is true, or this isn't true, or this is just kind of a fairy tale that we have in Lutheran church. But that Luther wrote many of his hymns based off of bar tunes. In other words, based off of the pop songs of the day. So at some point in time, every one of these songs that we now view as this, you know, sacred, God's chosen musical style was a popular form of worship. And so the bigger question that we have to ask when it comes to music is, what works in our context? If we are really called to be missionaries wherever God has placed us, we have to act like missionaries act, which is you need to learn the language of the people, you need to learn the culture of the people, and then you communicate God's truth through that language and through that culture. And you have to be willing to say as a pastor, as a a strong member of a church, that we are willing and that I am willing to listen to whatever style of music as long as it best impacts my culture for the cause of Christ, because that's what we're really trying to do, is we are trying to do the Great Commission, go to all of the world and preach the gospel of Christ to the ends of the earth. That's what we're trying to do. And if we don't allow ourselves to speak the language of the people, they will never understand. Mm -hmm. And so... I should be willing as a pastor, and any of our mature believers in the church should be willing as people to sacrifice maybe their musical preferences, some of their stylistic preferences, if it better connects with their neighbor, their son, their daughter, their grandchild, in order that that person can have a real relationship with God. I mean, once you want to sacrifice that, once you want to sacrifice a little bit to to further the cause of Christ, to be honest, you know if if that's the case, if that's where you're landing, that's a selfish, that's a selfish thing, and that's even hard for me. Even though I might prefer a certain style of music, that I'd be willing to listen to a style I hate, and sing worship to God with a style I hate, if it's better for the Sock Valley. And I think that's where we need we need to land and need to understand that that that's what we need. That's where our heart needs to be. And so connected with that heart, that's why we actually have three different styles of worship, even though it is incredibly hard to reproduce as a pastor. We have to have more staff members to accomplish that goal, but we want to cast as big a net as possible so we can catch as many fish for the cause of Christ. And so we are willing to do our casual service, which is a little bit more folksy in nature. We're going to have just a guitar player. This is why we have our traditional, where we have an organ-esque sound that we play to connect with people that that best resonates with. And that's why our contemporary service, sometimes we call it our modern service, that we're willing to be as much as we can on the cutting edge to play songs that might feel a little bit too loud to some, to be modern, to be edgy, to replay songs that they just heard on the radio, on their Christian radio station, in order that it can best resonate and work with them. And that's what we want to do. We want to be willing to sacrifice our own preferences, to cast the biggest net, because that's what Christ wants us to do. That's what he's called us to do. And it would be an affront to God to not do what he wants us to do. You you mentioned um, Martin Luther and his hymn writing, and Martin Luther was nothing if not innovative and creative in his ministry and in his evangelism and in his reformation of the church. If we are patterning ourselves after after his work, then it's like a disservice to him not to be innovative in our approach. So he was all about 
writing new songs, writing new music. He was all about using new media, which at that time was books, um, to get the, the, the printing press, I mean, so mass printing, to get the gospel to as many people as he could and to raise up pastors who can sh- lead and shepherd well. And so to act like somehow using uh, new music or using new media like the internet and um, some of these things, uh, video Bible studies and these resources to train and recruit and get the word of God into people's lives. It's it's almost laughable when some Lutheran leaders uh, think that that's a disservice to the gospel or a disservice to the Lutheran tradition, because that's exactly what Luther would do if he were here today, because he was all about innovation and all about creativity and all about getting the word of God into as many people's lives as he could. So um, for me, it's a no-brainer that we innovate and are creative and work hard to do those things um, as best we can, because that's that's the the spirit that we've that we've received. That's our family um, history. But yeah, so I think that you're right on that. This is just um, this is just a normal part of the Christian experience. This is what the church does: is that the church assimilates, innovates, changes, um, holds on to the gospel, preaches the gospel, and then um, becomes like those that it's around in style and in look. It looks like uh, those that it's around, just like Jesus came to earth as a human and looked like one of us in order to save us. Um, so we kind of have, have to do the same thing. We have to look like those who we want to save um, and become those that we want to save. <laughs>